here today. Just want to give you a quick update to give you a snapshot of all the things God's been doing this semester. Uh, missions is a huge part of our DNA here at Missouri State Chi Alpha, and this year we sent 110 students on missions trips. Eight teams went domestically, and two teams are going to go internationally to other countries. We are so excited about what that means for the King of Kings. The third, the second thing, this spring we were able to baptize five students in water. That means five students pledging their allegiance to Jesus, publicly declaring that they're following Him and committed to Him. That's amazing. The third thing, we took 15 international students through a course called Alpha. This spring, um, they were able to hear the gospel. And so what that means is that every week they're watching a video, they're having intentional relationships, they're going deep in their conversations, um, just exploring what it means to follow Jesus. Isn't God good? That's amazing. All right, those are just some of the numbers, but I wanted to give you two quick miracles of things that God did in the lives of us personally and as a ministry this semester. The first thing is that God brought um, to Missouri State a girl from a country in the Middle East. Um, it's one that's close to missionaries. It's on the, actually on the top ten list of churches or places where it's most difficult to follow Jesus in the world. She's from a very devout Muslim family. So, but God brought her here to the U.S., and a family brought her in, began to host her. They would meet with her every week. Eventually, she asked to go to church with them, so they went to church. At the church service, they were giving miracle stories of healings, things that God had done. And she leaned over to the host dad and said, hey, is this actually real? And he said, yeah, of course it's real. And she said, I, I don't believe it. I don't think it's real. But then guess what happened? God uh, connected her to us in Chi Alpha, and so she ended up coming to one of our events that we had. It was just a supernatural thing that happened. She came to our event. After the event, I went up to say goodbye to her, and when she stood up, she kind of winced. And I was like, oh, man, you have a walking boot on. We need to pray for you. So I asked if we could pray. She was hesitant. We prayed. After the prayer, I said, how does it feel? And she said, it's not any better, but thank you so much for praying. I said, well, can we pray again? So then we prayed again. This time when I stood up, her eyes were as big as plates, and she said, what did you pray? It feels better. And I said, okay, so let's let's walk. So we walked a few steps, nothing, no pain. So then we took off the walking boots again, and she walked five steps, no pain. She was like, oh, my goodness, what happened? And so I was able to explain, share the gospel with her, tell her about Jesus and how he loved to heal people, to show that he was God and that he loved them. Um, long story short, um, God supernaturally healed her ankle. It's been opening her up. She just came with us to a conference this um, actually, this past weekend at Memor on Memorial Day called the All Nations Conference, we brought five students with us, and she had a vision of Jesus. The Lord has been pursuing her. It's like having a front row seat to watching God find and, and try to, to win the affections of one of his kids that are lost. So we are so excited about what God's doing in the life of this student. Would you please pray with us for her and for her salvation? She's not yet a believer, but she has said that she believes in, in the Lord, and she wants to um, continue to explore what that looks like. Thank you so much for praying. The second thing, the second miracle I want to tell you about is a personal one for our family. We have a neighbor who lives a, a few houses down from us, and she was talking to us one day. We've been in, um, she's a widow, and we've become friends over our time of being here. And she actually committed to paying for a service animal for Luke. Luke has autism, he has epilepsy, and he also um, is blind, legally blind. So this service animal 
gospel literally changed everything for us. And she, as a non-believer, has committed to pay 100% of the fees for this dog. We met with them in April. They said, it's probably going to be two years to get a dog. But then they called me two weeks ago to say, we have a dog for you. So in a couple, um, actually this next week, we're going to be going up to Concordia, Kansas for a week of training. And we're going to come home with a service animal for Luke, fully certified, able to go to school with him, uh, airports, the whole nine, fully certified. It's going to change Luke's life. And we are so amazed at all the things that God is doing. So your mission support, your faithfulness to support missions helps missionaries like Andrew, not only around the world, but here in the United States, especially our campuses, High Alpha Ministry, such an important ministry to support because we've always looked at it that the world is coming to the campus. So we love sending missionaries around the world, but then also does you have this idea of the world coming to one location, how can we not spend time and effort into reaching them as they uh, become missionaries themselves, going back to their places around the world. So thank you for your support uh, to Missions Online. If you'd like to participate in your giving, you can hit the online give button, and you can do that. Thank you for your faithfulness. And here in the building, you can use an envelope in giving your tithes, your offerings, your faith promises to missions. It's so important to just stay faithful during this season. So thank you for doing that. And if you'd like to connect with us online, you can hit the connect button. And we'll be sure to connect with you, send you a gift card from Starbucks and some information about the church. If you're looking for a church family here in the building, use the connect card. And we have giving boxes out this door and out the, the building. You can place your connect cards out there. And on your way out, hopefully you're noticing that there's boxes out there also that you can bring in gifts as we are going to be, uh, not this week, but next week, celebrating an unbirthday party, some kids in our community that are hurting for a number of reasons, but we're going to celebrate them and, and have a party with them and encourage them to continue to bring those gifts. And I wanted you to know, hopefully you're, you're going to be hearing this, parents, our kids are going to be doing a, uh, a fidget spinathon, and they're going to be raising money for missions, as we've heard this morning, uh, BGMC supplies materials for our missionaries to get the word of God out there so our kids raise money to have those materials available to our missionaries and what an awesome opportunity so the fidget spinning will be happening and it's a fun opportunity for our kids to participate in giving and of course they have fun spinning so be, be, be ready for kids to come up to you and ask you to sponsor them and I'm looking forward to sponsoring all the kids that come up to me as well. Well, we're going to continue to study in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans chapter 2, I was looking, and as I had continued to study, I knew the 4th of July weekend was coming up, and then I was realizing that we're, I was still in Romans chapter 2, and I was thinking to myself, man, maybe I can just kind of move on, because the common theme in Romans chapter 2 was God's judgment. And I thought to myself, boy, that is not going to be a very encouraging and inspirational message for the 4th of July as you look at the judgment of God. And I thought maybe we could just go on and get to chapter 3 of Romans. But as I was praying, I really was encouraged in my prayer time that we needed to talk about the judgment of God. And I want you to know today you will be encouraged 
for sure, but it's something we have to talk about. So this morning's title is God's Judgment and Mercy. And we're picking up right in verse chapter uh, 5 of Romans 2. We left off in verse 4, but we're going to pick up in verse 5. Paul says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. Those who have been persistent in, in doing good to seek glory, honor, and mortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Lord, again, we ask your word to pierce our hearts. Father, we obviously always are ready to embrace your mercy and your love. We're always ready to embrace your forgiveness and your goodness. But God, we also need to embrace your judgment. Father, so I pray by your word, we will embrace the Bible. We will embrace this word that has been preserved for thousands of years. And this difficult word that is not easy to preach, not easy to hear, but we need it, God. We need it in our lives. Would you speak to us? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul has been taking on the the task of being a father, a spiritual father to the Romans. We've talked about this idea already that it was, it's, it's fun to be the, the fun dad. I, you, I love taking Alexandra to the park. I, I love playing tag with her. I, I love taking her to the candy store and say, whatever you want, get the brown bag, fill it up. We're going to have fun today. But there's also those moments where we have to discipline our children. We understand as parents, we enjoy being the fun parent. Sometimes you have to be the bad guy. You have to be the one that to lay down the law. You have to be the one to discipline them. And we do this because we love our children. We understand this as parents. We, we love having fun with our children, but we should also love those moments where we have to discipline them. Because we know that discipline helps our children. It blesses our children. Discipline expresses our love to our children. It helps them to know that we love them and we care for them. And when we discipline them, we are, we are bringing the Word of God to their life. And in those moments of discipline, we're bringing truth to their life. We're, we're, we're preparing them for life. And we understand this, that if our kids can disobey us, well, then they can disobey the law. And if they disobey the law, they're going to ruin their life. And so we teach them and we spend time with them to say, no, you can't do this. And no, you can't do that. You've got to learn to listen to us. And when you don't listen to us, you're going to have to be punished. You're going to have to face the consequences for Breaking our rules. 
We do that because we love them. We take the time to do that because we love our kids. And parents, may we be reminded that love is a, a discipline is an expression of our love. We are loving our children by disciplining them. We're loving our children by teaching them what's right and what's wrong. And we're loving them when we correct them. We show them, you know what, you did something wrong. Now you can't go to the candy store. You did something wrong. We're not going to go to the park today. We're going we're gonna to do a Bible lesson today. Because you've you got to know that there's, there's, there's pain in breaking the law and breaking the rules. We have to have that form of punishment so that they're reminded, so that they are receiving that love into their life. And Paul was doing that for the Romans. You see, Paul was looking at the Romans, and as we learned last week, the Romans were going down a path that he had been on. He had been on this judgmental path. He was so quick to judge people. He was so quick to say, you know what, you're doing something, you're doing something, and you're not doing it right, and I'm going to judge you for it, and I'm going to have a judgmental spirit behind it. It wasn't a spirit of love. It wasn't the spirit of Christ. It was a judgmental religious spirit inside of him that wanted to hurt people for not acting like him, for not living like him. And he saw that the Romans were going down that same path and he needed to correct them. He needed to bring some correction into their life. And he wanted them to avoid the, the judgment that he had experienced in his life. And ultimately, he wanted them to avoid the judgment of God, of hating someone, of, of being evil, of, of looking at someone and, and thinking to themselves, I'm better than they are, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show them, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get mad, and I'm going to be filled with anger and rage that I can't believe they're living this way. And so I'm going to be judgmental towards them. And he told them that they were, they were storing up the wrath of God. The wrath of God. But Paul called it the righteous judgment of God. You see, God's judgment is righteous. God's judgment is holy. God's judgment is good. Because God, just like you as a parent, is, it comes from love. It doesn't come from anger. It doesn't come from a, a lack of love. It comes from truth. It comes from mercy. God's judgment is righteous because His love and mercy is being expressed through that. You see, Paul, Paul had a passion not for God, but he had a passion for the rules of God. He didn't have a passion for the presence of God. He had a passion for the things of God. He had a passion not to love God. He had a passion for making sure people were following the rules. And I can tell you today that God is more than rule following. If you're just following rules today, you're missing out on the love of the Savior, the love of His mercy and His grace. He had passion for the wrong things. So Paul, Paul warns them. He warns them of God's coming judgment. Paul warns them 
that if you keep living this way, if you keep living with a judgmental spirit, if you keep living and looking at people and being angry at people and and wanting to hurt them, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And so he wanted them to know that it was the presence of God, it was the Spirit of Christ that they needed in their life. It was the humility. And I want you to know that I agree with Paul today that we need to love people enough to warn them that judgment is coming. And when we look at our world today, when we look all around us today, there is great judgment that's being stored up because of evil. There's evil out there. There are people who are taking people's lives. There are people, as I I shared with you before, that not only are people murdering people, but they're murdering them with their words. They're murdering them with the words that come out of their mouth. They're hurting people. They're hurting people, and there's great evil in our world today. I was at the um, I, I was at the Walmart counter, and and the uh, worker was there, and it was the self checkout, and uh, I just said hi to her right away. She was referring to an individual uh, on the news who was who was being convicted because he was had abused children. Our world is recognizing the evil that is around us, the, the evil that is hurting children, that is hurting people, and there's wrath being stored up in our lives. The world is coming to an end. We are all going to stand before God, and Paul is reminding them that we are, all of our actions will be judged by God, not by me, not by any religious leader. But by God Almighty, we are going to stand before God. And that judgment is real. And the evil that we see all around us will be judged. And I want you to know something this morning. I want to make this first point. That God does not initiate judgment. God does not initiate judgment. So many times... uh, when we talk about the judgment of God and, and we look at what's taking place in our world today, everybody puts their focus on God. How could God allow that to happen? How could God allow that to take place? How could God allow there a place to be called hell? How can a loving God allow a place called hell to exist? And, last, and yesterday, I, I, I um, had the privilege, I, I want you to know, as, as a shepherd, I'm always willing to serve you. And one of our, our members called me up and said, you know what, my son doesn't want to go to the Cubs game. I need you to go with me. I said, Tara, one of, our, one of the sheep of our flock needs me. Don't ask questions, they just need me. And so... Uh, and uh, Dr. Salazar took me out to a Cubs game because his son didn't want to go. And I said, I, I will serve you. I will go with you. And I said, Lord, there must be a reason why I have to be there at this Cubs game. Teasing, but on the way home, as we were driving by, I started talking about my sermon. And he said, you know what? I was just reading this analogy about God's judgment. And I said, oh, share that with me. He says, because sometimes we... We hear this comment, how can God send somebody to hell? How can God send that person to hell? And the reality is God doesn't send anybody to hell. God doesn't send anyone to hell. The Bible declares that all have sinned. We have all sinned, so we were all going to hell. 
Every one of us, for the wages of sin is death. We were all going to hell. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, we were all, we are all going to hell. God didn't initiate that. We initiated that. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. God warned them and He said, the moment you sin, the moment you, you disobey me, you will die. And Adam and Eve disregarded the voice of God. Adam and Eve disregarded the truth that was coming out of the, the mouth of God. And they disregarded God and they sinned against God. Adam and Eve initiated God's judgment. The Bible says we all have sinned. We've all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have all initiated God's judgment. We were all going to hell. But God sent Jesus Christ. He sent a lifeboat. And that's what Dr. Salazar was sharing with me. That he said that we were all going to hell. God doesn't send us to hell. But he sent a lifeboat. He sent Jesus so that we could be saved. So that we can be receive his mercy. That, so that we can be forgiven of our sins. And so it's God's mercy. God doesn't initiate judgment. I want you to hear that. There is judgment being stored up against this world. This world is cursed. This world will be done away with one day. This, the world you're, even knows this. There are movies about the end of the world. There are books written about the end of the world. There are songs being written about the end of the world. And you and I have ultimate truth. We have the Bible that speaks about the end of the world. I want you to know today, God didn't initiate that. God doesn't initiate judgment. He's a loving Father. He is a merciful God. He is a compassionate God that loves us and cares for us, that sent His only Son to die on the cross so that you wouldn't have to suffer the coming judgment. He is loving and caring. And in, in Genesis chapter 3, this, I want you to know, in Genesis chapter 3, it, op- it talks about God coming down to spend time with Adam and Eve. God came down to spend time and have fellowship and relationship in the first book of the Bible in chapter 3. And then in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, it's just so happenly in chapter 3, there's a verse in there again that says that Jesus is at the door of our heart and He knocks and if anybody opens up, He will come in and have fellowship. So from the Bible, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, it's an expression and it's an understanding and it's a truth that God to have fellowship with us. God did not create us to punish us. God did not create us to pour out His wrath upon us. God created us to have fellowship with Him. God initiated relationship. And when that relationship was broken, God initiated restoration. It's human beings that initiate judgment. We initiate that judgment. We, we cannot blame anyone else for the judgment that we see around us. We can't point our finger at God and say, I don't believe in God because there's, there's evil around us. It's not God's fault. We can't blame God for the judgment and the evil that we see around us. 
the judgment that we see, because again, God has set the law. He set that law before Adam and Eve, and He said, this is the law. And the moment they broke the law, a curse came upon the land. And every time we sin against God, every time that law is broken, there is a repercussion for that sin, for that action. There is a releasing of evil. There is a releasing of judgment. Somebody might say, well, why doesn't God just end it all? Why doesn't he just stop it? Why doesn't he just stop all the evil from happening? Why doesn't he end it all? But I, I want to, first of all, and I'm going to get to that, uh, some answers to that question, but I want you to understand this, that the judgment of God is merciful and gracious and compassionate. And there's a reason. I want to go back to the analogy of a parent because we can understand this from a parent's point of view. Why would a parent discipline their child? Why would a parent allow their child to be disciplined? Why should we not argue with the teacher when the teacher says, I'm sorry, I don't know what they do these days, but back in my day, you, you were in detention. You had to stay after school. Why shouldn't you argue with the teacher? Why should you allow your child to be disciplined? It's because you love them. It's because you care for them. It's because they're going to learn. Somehow they're going to learn. I shared this story before how I had to discipline Alexandra. And, uh, but I, I didn't share this part of the story. But once again, we were in Target. I let her, was letting her play with the toys. And I said, okay, now it's time to put them back. The ripe age of two, she said no. And I took her hand and I swatted her hand. She began to cry. Then I began to run, thinking I was on, caught on camera. We better get out of here. But something happened. I'll never forget it. She was crying. And she wasn't crying. Yeah, I mean, she felt that. It just it was a swat on the hand. She was crying because she knew she did something wrong, and I disciplined her. But I'll never forget what she did. She ran into my arms, and she held me she was, I can still feel it this morning. She was, she just got in my arms and wouldn't let me go. And I remember carrying her, and Tara remembers, I was walking up to her, and she's just crying, you know, crying. And I had to tell Tara what happened. But she held me. Alexandra didn't run away from me. She ran to me. She held me tight. That swat on that hand, didn't cause her to get mad. It woke her up to, my dad loves me. He cares for me. And I've never had to do anything to her like that since. Because she knows now. She knows that when I say it's time to go, or she knows when I tell her, you don't do that, she doesn't do that. But ultimately, she knows that I love her. Do you know today that God loves you? God loves us. He cares for us. And the, the, the judgment that we see around us, it's God's mercy and it's God's grace. Many church theologians have said we are living in the age of grace. We're, li we're living in God's mercy. We're living in His love. We're living in His forgiveness. We should run to Him. I want to encourage you today that God is not sending anybody to hell, but God's judgment is there to cause us to run to Him, not away from Him. 
we need to understand that God's judgment is bringing us to Him today. Let me share. Let me let me go. Let me give you another difficult verse from Romans. It's Romans chapter one again, and I want to explain a couple more things. But I, I want to share another difficult verse from Romans chapter one, verse twenty-four. Romans chapter one, verse twenty-four says, and remember, we were talking about the Romans who they knew God, they knew God, and yet they rejected Him. And this was God's response in Romans chapter 1, verse 24. It says, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. sound very loving, does it? At first, let's be honest. doesn't sound very caring. God abandoned them. Wow, how are we going to preach that message? How can we encourage somebody with that thought? But when we study these difficult parts of the Bible, we have to study the whole Bible. And I want to give you two important verses when you're thinking about Romans chapter 1, verses 24. You also have to think about 2 Peter Chapter 3, verse 9, that says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's desire is for everyone to come to repentance. For God so loved the world. And there's no asterisk there. There's no exception there. There's no column that says everyone but this group here. No, no, no. God loves everyone. He wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to run into His arms. He wants everyone to come to Him and to receive His love and mercy. We have to understand that that's the foundation of God's judgment is that He wants us all to come to Him. We have to understand that. There's a couple more verses in Psalm 119, verse 67 in the NIV. It says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. In the New Living Translation, it says, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. In God's infinite wisdom, remember, we have finite minds. We have a brain that is not infinite. We're not going to understand in God's totality. I still just, you know, I can, I can understand God from the beginning, but boy, when I think about eternity, it really just challenges my brain. Really, wow, this doesn't end. It just keeps going. And there are some things about God's wisdom and His infinite wisdom. We have to understand that there's times that God abandons people do things to themselves that are shameful. But it's God's mercy. It's, it's not because God wants people to be evil. It's not because God wants them to do evil things. It's because He's wanting them to come to Him and run to Him. Because there are times when I've, I've seen this in life, but it's only when you hit rock bottom that you can look up. 
It's only when you've done, you've exhausted everything. And it's like Solomon, he, he experienced everything in life. He experienced lust to the max. He experienced material objects to the max. He experienced parties to the max. He, he experienced fame to the max. He finally realized none of that. None of that mattered. The parties, the debauchery, none of it. None of it satisfied the women for him. None of it satisfied him. It was only God. So sometimes God abandons people so that they can come and make a, a, the realization it's only in God's mercy. It's only when they're in the aisle crying that they realize I've got to run to God. I've got to run to Him. I've got to run to His mercy. And so you have to understand, what, you know, there will be a day, and we're going to talk about this really quick in just a moment, there will be a day where it will stop and it will end. And I know some might say again, why doesn't God just stop right now? Why doesn't He just stop all the evil right now? Why doesn't He just stop all the war right now? You have to understand that it is God's mercy. He is trying to draw people through uh, these difficult circumstances to come to Him. He's wanting people to come to Him. And I want you to know today that God's final judgment is coming soon. It's coming soon. I agree with Paul. We need to warn people. We need to love people enough to warn them that God's final judgment is coming soon. And it's not a pointing of the finger warning. It's not a look down, I can't believe you're living this way, you better make your life right. No, 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 that's not it. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. We're not here to point fingers. We're not here to, to look down on people. We're here to love people. We're here to be the love of God. We're here to be the mercy of God. We're here to release people from prison, not keep them there. We're here to help them to lift them up, not push them down. Jesus died on the cross so that he could be the bridge to say, come on over to his mercy and his grace. But we must understand that God's final judgment is coming soon. So we cannot walk around life thinking life as we know it is going to continue like this forever. It does not continue like this forever. Life as we know it doesn't, it will not continue like this. This earth is cursed. And God has said, I will make a new heaven and new earth which means God's final judgment to this earth will happen. The movies you've seen about, you've seen before about the end of this world, it will happen. Who knows how we can, uh, we can study it and we can look through the scriptures to get an idea, but nobody fully understands it until it begins to happen. And it will happen. There will be a great tribulation. And I believe from scripture, and Paul teaches this, that a rapture will happen. A time when the people of God will be taken at once. All, uh, all of a sudden at once, all the people who love, all the people who care, all the people who live God's truth, all the ones that are willing to forgive, all the ones who are peacemakers, all those that seek restoration will immediately be taken from this earth. What do you think will happen when that all happens? When the people who are holding relationships together, when the people who are holding the peace at work, when the people who are giving righteous judgments, those people, when they're immediately taken, what do you think will take place? It will be utter chaos. A term that we use as the great tribulation will happen. 
There's so much to study about end times, but this is what I want you to know, that God's final judgment is still God's mercy. It's still God's mercy. It's still God crying out to His creation, repent of your ways, repent of your evilness, repent of your sinfulness, repent of your rejection of my truth, repent of those things that keep separating me from you, repent of those things. There will be the greatest natural disasters. They are coming. It will come. But it is God's cry to His creation to come home, to come to His mercy, to come to His grace. It is not God's will that anyone would perish. But while that judgment is being poured out, many will be able to say that it was that judgment that opened my eyes to God's mercy. Parents, you can understand this. You understand this and you better understand this. We love our children enough to discipline them. God's final judgment is is, is coming because sin is like a cancer. It needs to be removed. It needs to be done away with. When that process begins, it won't be easy. But we need to talk about it. We need to study it. We need to express it. Because when I talk about God's judgment, it brings me to Him, just like Alexandra. I don't run away from God. I run to Him. And I want to bring as many people with me to His love and to His mercy and to His grace. You know, another analogy I I think about is a marriage. We celebrate at the Matt and Sydney's marriage on Friday. And they made commitments to each other to be with each other the rest of their lives. Wow, that's love. I love that experience and I love marriage. But when you break those laws, there are consequences for breaking those laws. True love, true love is expressed through God. And when those laws are broken, there is consequences for the breaking of those laws. There is wrath being stored up. But please know today, please accept the truth of God that all of it is God's mercy. It's His mercy to us. It's His grace being poured out to us. We need His mercy. We need His grace. I want to invite the band to come back up this morning. The judgment of God is not something easily talked about. Lord, why did you have me do this? I want people to enjoy their time with families and shooting off fireworks and eating desserts and laughing and having fun. And and I want you to do that. I've only been here two years, but I believe I've, I've expressed a balanced life to you. And I want you to enjoy time with family. I am going to be with my mom and dad, my sister and her family, my brother and his family. We're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy time together. We're going to laugh, watch fireworks. We're going to do all those things. I want you to do that. But don't forget, if you have an opportunity to share the love of God with somebody, share it. 
because we're living in a world where the wrath of God is being stored up. If you're at the fireworks place and you see somebody hurting, God says, just go over there and just tell them, God bless you. If I can pray with you, let me know. Do it. If you're having fun at the beach and God says, hey, that person over there, they don't, you can see it in their face. They're hurting inside. Go help them. Do it. Wherever you're at. I want to live a balanced life. I'm going to have fun this weekend, but I'm not going to forget about hurting people. I'm not going to forget about people who are experiencing the judgment of God. People who have said, I don't want God in my life. I don't want the truth. I don't want the Bible. I'm going to do me. I'm going to live the way I want to live. And I definitely are going to reject God's truth. And they're going to experience the judgment of God. May you be God's mercy to them. May you be God's love to them. Would you stand this morning, Lord? You're a good, good Father. We understand discipline. We understand judgment. And the Word of God says that God's judgment is righteous. Your judgment is righteous and perfect and holy because it is always done in love. It's always with the idea of bringing us home. So God, speak to us this morning. May we run into your arms. May we hold you tight. Speak to our hearts, Lord. We need you.